The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. everyone welcome to this extremely special edition of on the rag brought to you by the good people at 27 names now this month as always i'm joined by leonie hayden Kelda, michelle court hello and we have a fourth member a new member in our ragtag team Woo! i've just announced i've written her a new bio because you weren't you weren't entirely happy with the one last night that you wrote for yourself <laughs> um she's got scary tattoos for a lady <laughs> she's been called a life ruiner and she's working on a cannon to fire all men into the sun. Yeah, It's quite like a girl author, Clementine Ford. Kia ora. Yay. What a warm welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. I was going to also say she eats a lot of cake. <laughs> she's not allowed to because she's a woman. I know, I'm woman. disgusting. <laughs> so this is an extremely exciting morning. I would like to say last month we did a listener survey and our most requested guest... Mm. Was Clementine oh, really? was yourself. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm just saying, That's like, amazing. people say the secret isn't real, but I'm like, oh. watch out. Oh, well, thank you, everyone, for <laughs> recommending me. No problem. We visualised you when you appeared. <laughs> Manifest yeah. in, in the room. It's fabulous. So next month we need either Lord or Demi Lovato. <laughs> <laughs> you know, easy stuff. So welcome. Welcome to our podcast. We're here to just kind of... Have a yarn. Michelle and I went to your wonderful talk uh, for the Auckland Women's Centre last night. Hate mail, spelt the way you might expect. <laughs> the, way, the way you hope. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Leonie's interviewed you for the spinoff.co.nz, which was a while ago now, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a little while ago. It was, and I also just want to say that that was one of my favourite interviews that I've ever done. Oh, yes. Seriously, yes. genuinely mean that. I'm not just saying that because I'm here. I, <laughs> um, I just had such a good time doing it, and... You know, it's with no disrespect to anyone else I've been interviewed by, it's so nice to have people care about your work. But I guess just when you do quite a lot of them, they just become like your answers end up just being quite by rote. Mm. But I felt like with Leonie, I felt like you asked me um, just questions that I hadn't been asked before. And I, I ended well, up feeling great. like really inspired. I got off the phone and I was like, yeah, I feel great. I've just yes. been it's really good. Well, I guess it's because we, us three spend so much time talking about these kinds of things. It's mm-hmm. like, there's only so much. I mean, we don't need to ask you the surface questions because we've all re- we've read the book yeah. and we, 
um, also work in that world and it's like there's there's more interesting stuff to drill into I guess if you get some time with someone like yourself, you're not just going to be like, how do you deal with all of the abusive emails? <laughs> like, there's way more interesting stuff to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's good for me as well to be, you know, reinvigorated and um, reminded, I guess, of like the... I'm not making much sense because I'm... It's early. It's so early. It's early. <laughs> we normally do this in the afternoon. It's fine. Um, <laughs> with booze. No, but just I suppose like step outside of my own kind of on the the promo trail yeah. kind of mindset and and like tap back into why I'm so uh, invested in this area and that's because I love mm. women I love talking about women's rights with other women and I love being inspired by women and it was yeah it was just really great I really liked it awesome. and I'm really glad that we did it great <laughs> we did it twice. <laughs> I didn't want to say. Ooh, I didn't know if that was the same. I didn't want to say it, but we did get to to speak twice, and and both times were very different. Yeah, yeah. Did and we it feel better? Why no. it was twice, did it feel better the second time round? Did you feel like you were buddies already? When you know, at least I mean, no, I, I know no I did. I <laughs> yeah, I was just. I'm just like, going to call my friend Clement. Not even recording it. It's just for a chat. <laughs> but I did remember afterwards a few things that we touched on in the the first conversation. There was something really interesting that we talked about about. Um, like disability access as in uh and you were you pointed out that you know you you go through life and you um you're aware of these things and you become sort of like woke or whatever and then someone comes out of the blue and was like well I can't meet you at that restaurant because there's no disability access and you're like I've been blind Mm. to the fact that every single bar I go to has no disability access like Mm. just those issues that you know that don't they're not a part of your world until they are, and then mm. you can't not see them anymore. And the reminder that you're constantly learning as well, right? Yeah. That you think yeah. you're like, oh, I've got it all figured out. Oh, I can't I mean, remember why that came up while we were chatting the first time, but it was I a really we eye-opening about, thought. I think we were talking about how um, people, you know, as we become more aware of, of a lot of different kinds of access needs, um, you know, people calling out things like ableism, they're calling out homophobia and transphobia, and this That's is all... Right like really amazing that people are doing that but most of the calling out of ableism that I see is to do with you know calling out ableism over words like stupid crazy the r word which I would wouldn't even repeat just to demonstrate um and a a lot of calling out about mental illness and again that's all really great but I think that we need to also be aware of disability Mm. access um for you know particularly people with uh I'm wading into tricky territory because I don't have perfect language as well. Mm-hmm. But um, I have been very blessed to be able to be friends and colleagues with a lot of uh, disability activists in Australia. And one of my best friends, Stella Young, was this amazing activist who um, had a, a, a an obvious uh, difference, bodily difference. And... I was really educated by her initially and, and have continued to be educated by other activists like um, Jax Brown, who's amazing if people want to look her up, Carly Findlay, who's a great appearance diversity activist, uh, about the idea of disability as the social model, the social model of disability. So for anyone who doesn't know what that is, and, and again, I'm just repeating things that I've been taught, um, the social model of disability uh, posits itself that disability is not about 
your your own physicality, disability is about what the society that you live in yeah. puts on mm, you. Yeah, yeah. So you're not disabled by the fact that you're in a wheelchair because actually for a lot of wheelchair users, their chair liberates them because it'll, it gives them access to places. What disables them mm. is not being able to get into a shop or not being able to get onto a bus or not being able to work because there's still so much ableism in terms of employment. Um, it being assumed that if you are a disabled person and the social model as well defines uh, or uses, I think, terms like disabled person because it it specifically points out that they're being disabled by the society that they live in. Um, if you are a disabled person, people might assume because of ableism that you're just happy just to kind of volunteer, you know, that you don't really need like a living wage because, you know, you're, a, it's, you're still being treated like a, a second-class citizen. So it's been you know, hugely beneficial and educative for me to be able to learn those things and to have access to incredible activists that are doing that work in that space. Um, and but and I think it's something that we need to be more aware of, like when we're also busy calling people out all the time about, you know, failing to be perfect feminists or failing to be perfect people, we need to also look at our own complicity yeah. and look at the look at the venues that we go to like as Leonie said how many times do we organize to have dinners with friends in, in a restaurant and maybe we don't have a person in that party that needs to have access but we're still supporting a place that denies access to other people yeah and I'm not saying that that you'll always be able to adhere to that but just to be more aware of it mm, is um, yeah and it's amazing what you don't know, isn't it? Um, I was listening to the debate last week about the uh, one of the election debates that we, we were having and uh, the TVNZ one and uh, the deaf community had asked for a, um, a sign language translator to be available so that they... And TVNZ's response was that we can't possibly do that because it's unscripted and that's bullshit because sign language mm. translators can do that incredibly Yeah, because they're professional. Yes. <laughs> kind of their job. <laughs> and they said, it's okay, we're going to do subtitles. And I guess I didn't realise until a year ago that lots of people in the deaf community don't read English. It's not, they don't, They if you're a signer, if you've been raised signing, then um, the written language is a very much a second language to you mm. um, because uh, signing isn't necessarily based on formal English that we know mm. so um, so having subtitles is like you might as well stick it in German it's not the same thing yeah. and it, so it, TVNZ being incredibly dismissive saying no we don't need to do subtitles but I, I was amazed when I learnt that a year ago that I did not know that I didn't understand that deaf people don't read books necessarily they right. that's not they yeah why, why how do we I not know this shit yeah. but also why is it more why is it easier to do subtitles do for an upscript, exactly. yeah, yeah, unscripted yeah. Just from like event. a production point of view. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's one person who just wants to do the signing. But well, I think well, that's, that's easier to, to type the language than it is yeah. to sign yeah. the language. I think that's a good example of, um, uh, and, you know, we're all guilty of this and so I'm definitely not trying to project that this is something that I don't do as well. Um, but I think that's a good example of a community that doesn't experience the marginalisation deciding what is the best outcome for the community that does experience yeah. the marginalization rather than talking to the community itself and yeah. being guided by them and I found with the um you know the experience of of my friends who are disability activists very much deal with this kind of able-bodied people determining for them what their real oppression is or deter determining for them what they can and can't be upset by and, and Stella used to call it I think um, you know, she did this amazing TED talk that people can look up on YouTube, but she talked about inspiration porn and she was 
you know, she was saying, I'm not your inspiration. It's not inspiring that I get up. In the I've morning. Seen that yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, she, she was, was amazing. Oh, she very sadly oh, passed away, yeah. which is, you know, a huge it's a loss. Great talk. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, th- and you know, but her experience of that was that um, having to deal sometimes with people saying to her, how dare you tell me what I'm allowed to be inspired by? And, you know, there's similarities as well when you're talking about gender equality that as women, we try and, def- you know, own our experience and define our experience as people who are you know, first-person witnesses to our own lives and also, I would say, experts in the experience of being women. It's a bit much. But... And, are, and are often Steady told... on the alert. <laughs> oh, I think you're an expert. Ooh, tickets, tickets on yourself. But, um, but are often, you know, countered by an anti-feminist argument and sometimes just a sort of a generic kind of casually sexist argument that, no, no, you're just overreacting. Probably, probably it didn't happen like that. Or, you know, all you women, the problem is you, you want one thing and then you want another thing and, and it becomes very frustrating and until you start learning to question that and until you, until you get to the point where you feel not only capable of turning around and, and discounting that but also, also confident enough to... Mm. It's this sort of thing that you end up living with and, and really learning the lessons of that, like, oh, maybe maybe I didn't experience. Did that, did that really yeah, happen? The, way the gaslighting it thing. It can't be. It's the realest thing yeah. from your talk last night, which I would recommend if you ever come back or if anyone is ever in, in your town, the hate mail space. I feel like it should be, everyone should see it because, like we were saying, it was like, it was like church. It was like church. Yeah, <laughs> people all around the room going, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. When you hear things said out loud for the very first time, that's what it is. Like, And it's almost like, I remember even when I first did like women's studies and you, you suddenly have these theories and words and mm. sentences and phrases to feelings you've always had. Yeah. And it was like that. And when you were talking about um, having your experiences discounted or having your thoughts or writing or whatever and uh, – choosing to not reply and making that decision to actually just own your arguments and not mm. delve in is something I wish I knew a week ago. You know, <laughs> I still haven't learned it. It's so hard yeah. to not go into bat for yourself. Yeah. Because you've already done the, the batting. You've said your piece. You've done everything. And this you know. is the thing is that, you know, a lot of times um, one of the questions that I'm probably most frequently asked by women, uh, you know, post events is how do I have these conversations with people? How do I, how do I, engage people on these issues and my answer is always that unless you have a personal investment in someone you know it's very difficult to have conversations with for example family members and Leonie mm. you and I talked about this as well when mm. we had our dis- both of our discussions I think that you know how do we how do people who have to live with someone engage in feminist ideas with them particularly if that person is resistant to them and it's not just so easy for them to cut that person out of their lives but if it's just some you know guy you don't know on the internet or some loser you work with that's like oh well you know why don't you just show me the evidence show me the evidence <laughs> show me the evidence and you're like I, a lot of times women feel like they need to defend their position they need to prove feminism to these people who are not there to have a genuine conversation with yeah. them who don't mm. really care mm. and what ends up happening is the women just end up feeling really frustrated. They they also, I feel, this is how I used to feel, they end up kind of being filled a little bit with self-doubt because they don't recognise that the parameters of the discussion from the outset are unbalanced and unfair and that they're not having an equal engagement with someone who's, who's genuinely there to have mm. a dialogue with them. So because 
because they don't recognise that, they end up feeling like, oh, I haven't been able to prove my position. I haven't been able to convince that person. And therefore maybe maybe my understanding of it is quite shaky yeah. or maybe my mm. ability to defend that position isn't, isn't very sound. So maybe there's something wrong with that position inherently itself when actually there's not. You know what your own life is. Mm. You know mm. why you're a feminist. You know what your feminist ideals are. And if, you know some guy is determined to try and get one over you by playing devil's advocate, <laughs> then no. whatever, like, thing. you don't have to give him your time or your energy. So you are actually allowed to turn around and be like, I don't care if you don't believe me. It doesn't make me wrong. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it's so fiery. I just wish I wasted, like, that's also the other thing that annoys me about is once you get involved in these d- debates, you know, <laughs> debates with the devils, you waste so much time you know like I spent a day going back and forth with this idiot I don't know why I did it just because I was like actually I believe this some idiot who was like talking about Mark Richardson when I wrote about Mark Richardson being sexist and he said no he's not why can't you just have a laugh and I was anyway (laughs) easily I should have just deleted it but instead I went in and at the time I spent you know when I could have written something else or been reading a book or been like you know enjoying my life and that's what really annoyed me and at the end of it I came to that conclusion on my own and went, actually, I don't owe you this. I know, I mean, sorry for the past five hours I've just been, but I've realised I don't owe you this. But what I wondered is like, is it any different when you get um, debate or criticism or abuse or whoever, whatever it is from women? Do you feel a different reaction to that kind of stuff? Or do you even get it, you know, anymore? I do. I mean, sometimes people say to me things like, why do you ever name and shame the women who hate you? There are so many women out there who hate you. And it's kind of like, well, because they probably experience enough shaming in their life anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, But also I recognise that as frustrated as I might get from the way that some women behave and as as, like disgusted I might be by it, um, I also recognise that the reasons that women do it are very different to the reasons that men do it. And I'm not saying that it makes those reasons okay, but because the motivation is different, I'm less interested in calling them out for it yeah. um, mm-hmm. or calling them out in a really big way. I, I might sort of, or and, and as individuals as well, unless that woman comes from a position of having, you know, extraordinary power. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, I think someone was telling me recently that the Minister for Women's Affairs in New Zealand is only a feminist on some days. A couple of days. Yeah. Some well, days. Well, the one, no, she's the Deputy Prime Minister. The, Louise Upston wasn't a feminist at all. Oh, right. Yeah, she so, was the Minister for so Women. So these, these are women who are in a position to be able to make, you know, mm. fundamental and important change to mm-hmm. the lives of women in New yeah. Zealand, in Aotearoa, I should say. Um, and the fact that they are putting themselves first and their own you know, I guess um, their own path to power, prioritising that is something that is obviously hugely worthy of criticism. But I also think that it's important to point out that for Louise Upston, um, it's the consequences, again, no sympathy, but the consequences for her calling herself a feminist publicly are very different to the consequences of John Key saying that he's... Is yeah, he still the Prime um, Minister? He's not, no. no he's no, he's, um, no, he's retired. And actually, right. I need to correct myself because otherwise I hate myself all the way home. Louise Apston was a minister for women, but now it is Paul no, Bennett. Yeah. You Paul were Bennett. right, yeah. yeah. Um, no, there was like a minor leader debate a few weeks ago where a whole a bunch of the men said yes. Femofascists? Some of them didn't. The guy that used the word femofascist stated that he was a feminist. So they've... A lot of the men in this election have decided that this is a great term to use so that women will respect me. Mm. Yeah. 
but the conversation that followed in every single instance of them saying I'm a feminist was basically I'm a feminist but yeah, yeah. Well, it's like they the then went thing. on to I'm just a say I many like the words ladies. that proved that they didn't know what that meant because mm. this is the thing that they don't actually have to follow through with anything so in, no. in, in Australia um, Malcolm Turnbull is our current Prime Minister uh don't know how much longer that will be the case for. <laughs> it's hard to keep up with you guys. <laughs> go through them. Yeah, we sure do. We really, we really churn through them. Um, but don't worry, sometimes they come back and be Prime Minister again. Um, no, so Malcolm Turnbull calls himself a feminist at the same time as, you know, presiding over a government that is defunding women's organisations and women's refuges. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for men in public positions of power, whether or not it's in politics or whether or not it's in the media or, or whatever it might be, they know now that feminism has cultural cachet. For all the yeah. people who want to say feminism's dying, that's why no one cares about it anymore. Opposite is true. We know that. Mm. Um, so they get cultural points from calling themselves feminists without ever having to follow through because a man who calls himself a feminist isn't considered a threat because he's not, uh, you know, um, I think that the reason why women who are feminists are considered threatening by some people is because they also can't control what that woman will do. Whereas men who call themselves feminists never have to follow through and they'll it'll also never be assumed that they'll collude with other women against men, which is what people you know, fear in women that will collude with each other. Um, yeah, it's I why we go to the bathroom yeah. together. Yeah. 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 You know, what are they talking about yeah, yeah. in there? They're talking about us. They're talking they? about cutting our balls off. Yes. No, we're talking um, about something interesting. But. Yeah. So Julie Bishop, who is um, the deputy leader of the Liberal Party in Australia, um, and who, when Tony Abbott was our Prime Minister, Tony Abbott, who also appointed himself as the Prime Minister for Women, I think, as a deliberate fuck you to all of the women who um, campaigned against him during his election, um, she was for a long time the only woman in a cabinet of 19 men. And Tony Abbott, who, who had also called himself a feminist because he has three daughters um, and likes Downton Abbey, I mean, weird reasons, but... Um, <laughs> Look, he, he said of this appointment of only one woman to the cabinet and, and because she's the deputy leader, she kind of has to be in the cabinet. He said, oh, you know, it's not that we don't have good women out there. You know, they're knocking on the door. They just haven't quite made it in there yet. And I always thought, yeah, that's because there's 19 men standing on the other side of the door holding it shut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they talk, of course, about merit and it's about should be about the best people, people for the job. So someone like Tony Abbott can call himself a feminist and hope that it will get all of the women who are already conservative to, to feel a little bit more like, oh, yes, he, you know, he's fine. He does. You can't say that he doesn't like women. Look, he calls himself a feminist. But Julie Bishop calling herself a feminist is more of a, a threat. So, yeah, because that might mean yeah. something. So just to kind of go back to the, to the point that, uh, or the question that you asked, Alex, I think that the reason that women are so hostile towards feminism is because they are dealing with a very different beast than men. Men are trying to preserve and protect their power. Or men who are hostile to feminism, I should say, are trying to preserve and protect their power and their position in society. And women are trying to preserve and protect their personal safety within that structure by appealing to men around them and saying, I'm not a threat to you. Please, please don't enact this. Kind of, please don't do to me what you can do to every other woman. Mm-hmm. It's it's heartbreaking, isn't it? I ha- I've been having a Facebook fight with that DJ who called, oh, yeah. called out and wrote an open letter to Cornwall? everybody in you? Cornhole. 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 Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, open letter to New Zealand about Jacinda Ardern referring to her as 
you know, specifically Miss Jacinda Ardern, who would make a really great head girl at a girl school, but not a leader of a country. And I suggested that might be sexist. And his response to it was, but my mum loves me and, <laughs> and I get on really well with my sister and my girlfriend. How can I be sexist? And what's sexist about calling somebody miss or saying they'd be a really good head girl? Oh, it's like girlfriend. Mm. Yeah. So, and I did, I took some time to explain and then I put my iPad away and went off and did something more useful. But mm. it's, it's this weird thing now that like people can behave in as sexist or racist or homophobic or transphobic or as ableist a way as they want any kind of a you know marginalizing way and that's supposed to be fine but the moment that you turn around and say that's sexist of you or that's racist of you they're like how dare you call me that that is such (laughs) a a terrible thing to call someone it's the stupidest paradox of our age if you ask me i have been called a racist for pointing out that stuff is racist so many times it's like Mm. what is wrong with you? Why don't you? You're, you're being racist to white people, are you? Yeah. Yeah. English. That reverse racism what that word thing. means. Yeah. Well, in Australia right now, we're having this silly marriage survey. Aren't you? Oh, yeah. I was in Australia last week and watched the television ads about I'm not going to vote for gay marriage because I don't want my son to have to wear a dress to school. <laughs> I know. What, what the fuck are you talking about? Is that on television? Well, because the, uh, as far as I understand it, because it's a postal survey, essentially. It's not subjected to uh, it's not subjected to the same rules around accuracy. So you can essentially create propaganda and publish wow. it as part of your side. Yeah. And what the no team are doing? So the question being posed is: um, Should Australia change its laws to allow same-sex marriage? And what the no side are doing is instead of I think that they very cleverly understand that the majority of people in Australia either don't care about whether or not gay people get married or are actively in favour of it. So the majority vote would reflect yes. So instead of focusing on all of the reasons why they specifically think that two people of the same sex getting married is bad, because I know that that won't work, instead they're focusing on the slippery slope, you know, the the thin end of the wedge and what will it lead to. And because we have this program that um, started in Victoria called Safe Schools, which is essentially about, you know, rolling out a program that um, protects gender diverse and um, trans children and gay children and also is an anti-bullying program. Um, This is being this, you know, very positive educational program for children that teaches them to be empathetic and and to love and embrace people of all different kinds is being instead positioned to something foul and perverted. And it's, you know, the people are saying absurd, ridiculous, completely fact, factless things like if safe schools is passed, then 13-year-olds are going to be taught about rimming, you know, or 13-year-olds <laughs> will be taught to, they'll be shown porn in school. It's, it's I mean, it's, it's absurd. So because of that, the no camp are now saying things like if we allow same-sex marriage to happen, it's the path to rolling out safe schools, it's the path to my son being able to wear a dress to school. And P.S., so what? Yeah. Um, and it's not even being able to wear a dress to school. It's my son will have to wear a dress to school well, and they will the, have in to the role ad, play being In the ad gay. that was, was screened, it was this concerned mother. And they used three real very attractive three real women who are who are all active members in this no group it was a concerned mother saying my son and by the way the school that her son goes to came out and said that this was false that this never happened Good. Oh my God. she said my son has been told that next year he'll be allowed to wear a dress if he wants so it's not even like he'll have to it's that 
my son has been told by his school that they will accommodate his his uniform choices in a way that accords with his Great. Yeah. with his personal choices. How what they? what is wrong with that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but they're Where so they're so afraid of you know people diverging from the very strict gender roles that they ascribe to them. I mean, this is something that people should be concerned about as well. What are the links between you know suffocating the expression and the sensitivity of boys? And raising future misogynists. Yeah. Mm. I never understand because, you know, you know that we um, voted in uh, marriage equality in New Zealand three, four years ago. Yeah, okay, four years ago. And, you know, the sun still rises and shit. Um, and and nothing, nothing bad happens. And I don't know quite how anybody can make up those stories that, it, you know, it's all going to go to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. Just mm. have a quick look across the Tasman. I don't know why anybody gives a shit about who marries whom. Really. Fine, yeah. Who yeah. was that, um, the league player or the rugby player that did the tweet yesterday? Israel Fuller. Israel from the Waratahs? In the Wallabies. Who said, um, what was it? It was like, peace and love to all, respect to all, love you all, but I don't agree with gay marriage. <gasps> no! And it was like... But, he's but then he put like a bunch of emojis one. and like peace hands and like love. And I was like, you can't get to use those now. You don't yeah. get to use the heart emoji. Like oh, how yeah. dare you? Oh, it's see. just, it's unbelievable that like a public figure would come out so calmly and, you know, owning that decision yeah. with peace emoji. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and the thing violent. is that like if you turned around and said, well, that's homophobic. But I mean, that is basically it's not, not homophobic, you know. Yeah. Then yeah, how dare you? Oh my god! Oh, see, this is the problem with you, yes people. You're just bullies. You're just full of abuse. You're just trying to stamp out free speech. We, you know, we're allowed to say no. It's like yes, you are allowed to say no. You're quite clearly allowed to vote no. Yeah. But it makes you a homophobe. Yeah. yeah. And we're allowed to say that, you know. Exactly. Like, yeah. And if you're more, if you think that it's, you know, the basis of a greater oppression that someone points out what you are. Mm. based on your views and based on your exclusion, then yet you can't sort of understand that excluding someone is a much greater act mm. of harm. Mm. I mean, mm. it's, it's very, it makes it very difficult to – it kind of goes back to that question of like how do you engage with people. Some, sometimes you just can't mm-hmm. because you, you won't change their minds mm. and you'll just end up feeling like – I mean, it's a terrible burden to place on particularly on – people within the LGBTQIA community to say that you have to defend your life to all of these yeah. people who are being given mm. the power to vote on whether or not mm. you have access to the same rights as horrible. other people. That's so horrible. In like 10 years' time, we're just going to look back and be so humiliated, right? This was yeah. ever I hope so. But when does, it, when does the vote? Is it, it takes months, um, shortly, it? Or? I know that they've started sending out the postal votes to people because I've seen people are receiving their their letters. Yeah. Um, and then I think that I think that the vote is being counted in November. But this this is the thing is it's costing one hundred and twenty two million dollars and it's not even a binding vote. It's just it's just a, it's literally just a survey, wow. which is which is absurd because polls have repeatedly shown that the majority of Australians are in favour of same sex marriage mm. equality. Mm. Um, so it's it's a pointless vote. Yeah. Yeah. And and if. And if 80% of respondents vote yes, the government still doesn't need to do anything about it. 
Sounds cool. Sounds like a awesome. great use of we, money. We spent that on a flag. That That's we true. We know, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I don't know which is worse. We're all about pointless cool referendums. countries, eh? You said a, a really cool thing last night. I think you were quoting a friend. It was just about, you know, when, how do you know when to engage with people and when not to engage? And you said this lovely thing about um, sometimes it's not about the person you're talking to, it's about who's listening. And I think mm. that's a really lovely thing mm. to remember. I mean, that's what motivates me sometimes to take somebody on on social media because I'm thinking I'm not going to change their mind but it might change somebody else's mind or mm. reinforce somebody else or give them some ammunition in, in an argument like this. Mm. It's also mm. why I play this podcast on a boombox on the street. <laughs> <laughs> Just waiting. <laughs> Who's listening? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's true. It's, um, you know, and it's partly one of the reasons why I name and shame men who write you know, horrible comments to me. I don't expect that their minds are going to be changed. Mm. Um, I think that the, the shame that they feel will probably, if anything, just mobilise how angry they are. But what I hope will happen is that um, other men around may be able to recognise that the things that women have always told them are true because they can see it actually happening. But that also women who see me doing this will go, oh, you know, maybe I can do that too. Maybe I don't have to just absorb it maybe I'm allowed to speak back to it maybe I'm allowed to laugh at those men mm. oh my god mm. maybe I'm allowed to laugh at them <laughs> yeah yeah it was the laughing that I loved yeah even though I mean some of the, the experience the abuse you've experienced is just completely I've never seen anything like it in my whole life and I don't know we talked about maybe reading some of them out on the podcast but it's almost like it needs a trigger warning right and mm. needs it needs help it needs self-care to even read them but like after your show, I showed a whole bunch of people a whole bunch of stuff I've been seeing. And I was like, isn't this great? We can just laugh at these idiots, you know, who just send me like 3.50 a.m. in the morning. Just, you're a goofy looking broad and the worst thing about the world today. That was just the email subject line. There was no body to the email. That was just it. That's the, the worst thing, thing about the I world today. Yeah. I, like, I love it. Yeah. Worse than this. Ebola. Yeah. No, much worse That's than Ebola. Much, much worse than nuclear war she yeah. is. She's yeah. just amazingly. You're worse than North Korea. <laughs> But that's an amazing thing, like, to have learned. And that was also something that uh, we, we published a piece written by Charlotte Graham about the woman journalists in New Zealand who have um, experienced online abuse, you know, from RNZ and, and um, TVNZ and a whole bunch of stuff. And they have also adopted the same thing, mm. you know, the sharing of the hilarious comments that you get mm. and the just... Susie Ferguson in the mornings on She's RNZ great. gets amazing. Mm. Has, are you guilty of, I know I am, of occasionally hoping that somebody sends her a really nasty message just so we can laugh can at see it? Laugh. <laughs> yeah. Yay! Oh, Susie, go! <laughs> and I think it's an amazing, almost joyful, like, subversion of, of the full intent mm. of that abuse. But also what happens if something that I found quite daunting maybe after your talk was I was like, how much of that stuff do you have to get before you start to laugh, you know, there has, there is the journey of having to deal with that abuse in the first place. What do you do if you don't feel like you can laugh at it? Have you ever felt like genuinely like scared? Um, there's probably been a handful of times where I felt like maybe it could cross over into a real physical threat in my real life. Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't really feel too threatened for long because I, I mostly think that people are just all talk. Um, there's always the kind of, I guess, the lingering fear that someone's going to try and prove something mm. one day. Mm. That's what worries me. And since I had a child as well, that's increased my, um, I guess, my sort of 
sense of safety. You know, I, I think what I worry about now is that, and this is, this is a terrible feeling to have really, that you could be walking down the street and people, I mean, there's a group, there's a, I've, I've done things in the past where I've exposed uh, posts that have been made in private men's groups with, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers, followers where, you know, I've, I've shown comments that they've made about how hilarious it would be to rape a woman or, you know, like posting memes about beating women and how hilarious that is. It's so funny to hurt women. It's just so funny, isn't it? Um, and, you know, when I've posted that, I have been bombarded with abuse for exposing what what happens in these groups that, um, you know, one of the, the common arguments made is that it's just men blowing off steam or it's just they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. You, 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 I mean, you're, you're crazy if you think that these men are going to go out and do it. It's like, well, I think that if someone is telling you what they're like, then you should believe them, yeah. you know. Mm. And, and also men beat and rape yeah, women look at the numbers. every day. Yeah. Every day. Yeah, also, exactly. Like also, no if, a, precedent. if a group of young men were talking about blowing things up, exactly, well, yeah. they would probably go visit them and have a chat, right? Yeah, exactly. But the thing is as well that in a group of 300,000 men, a good proportion of them have beaten women before or mm. are beating women in their lives right now and a good proportion of them have sexually assaulted or raped a woman or may go on to do those things. And the more they see other men around them laughing that stuff off and minimising it and making it out to not be that big a deal, the more in their already twisted minds they're going to say, oh, yeah, you know, other men think like me. This is what <laughs> we're just being men together. This is what mm. men are like. So it's really disingenuous for those men to turn around and say that it's just talk. You know, it's it's just talk. It's not real. It's not real. It's like, well, you can't expect every single woman on the planet to take precautions to protect themselves. And then when they turn around and point out the way that men talk about harming and violating women, you say, oh, well, it's not real. Mm. Um so anyway, because I've exposed those people and they obviously don't like having their words put on blast for, you know, lots and lots of people in their lives to see, which shows exactly how wrong they know, that it, yeah. how socially yeah. unacceptable it is to make those jokes, jokes in quotation marks. Um, there's been, you know, a lot of backlash against me for that. And that makes me nervous because what I think is that I don't know if there's hundreds of thousands of men in this group and it's a, an Australian-based group, I don't know which of those men might live in my neighbourhood. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know which of those men are from Melbourne who I walk past on the street, you know, pushing my baby in his stroller. Mm-hmm. That makes me feel uncomfortable. And it's 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 probably it's it speaks to the heart of that kind of online abuse. It's the anonymity anonymity about it, that you feel like a target, but you don't know who the people targeting you are. Mm. It's misogynist terrorism, isn't it? Because what they're aiming to do is shut you down, keep you quiet and make you live in fear, which is Mm. exactly what any other kind of terrorism is, isn't it? And I think actually that it's, you know, the act of women speaking out against it and laughing at it just infuriates them because that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be quiet. We're supposed to feel small and degraded and dehumanised and we've flipped the script on them and how dare we do that? How dare we do that to them? (laughs) How do you get access to those, you can't tell us, can you, to those private men's groups? Um, well, people think that I have all of these different fake accounts on Facebook that I that I literally just spend all my time <laughs> either infiltrating private groups or, this is my, my favourite one, that I've got numerous fake accounts that um, I've slowly and steadily built up over years and have amassed, like they're real accounts obviously that have 
actual friends list, but that I'm running them all for the express purpose of leaving positive comments oh on my own articles. Wow. I'm like, robot over here. Yeah. Not You're only, so organised. Not only does that not interest me, but I literally <laughs> would not have the time to do that. And yet, oh, you know, any time a positive comment is left on a piece <laughs> of mine, someone's like, we know that's you, Clementine. <laughs> Like, but I'm, I'm actually here commenting under my real name, you know. <laughs> the ultimate catfish. Yeah. <laughs> so what happens is that people, other people send me those screenshots, right. you know. Oh, other okay. other yeah. men actually get access to these groups mm. so that they can send me screenshots yes, and men. show me what, yeah. what's happening. Um, or women or women make their accounts themselves. Or whatever. Either way, people send me yep. the images. Right. Um, and I don't even publish all of them, you know. It's just the sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm going to make an example out of that one. Um, but it's just, it's just interesting that the moment that we kind of take control of a situation and, and assert ourselves as individuals, and especially when we group together with other women to do it, mm. is mm. the moment that we need to extra specially be taken down. You know, so... Um, what was the name of the RNZ presenter that As reads Susie out? Susie Ferguson. So Susie Ferguson reading out, you know, comments that are sent to her. In my experience, the reaction to that is that she's just as bad, if not worse, than the men who send it to her. I mean, that's what people say to me. You're mm. just as bad, if not worse, than the men who send this stuff to you because you've you've displayed it for people to bully them. Um, and I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't know. Life. Maybe it's just nice for them to experience what it feels like to have a random stranger that they don't know drop into their inbox and say something horrendous. Mm. Mm. Um, but also that... We, women are then accused of being attention seekers. You know, mm. that you're you're just you're just an attention seeker, and it's like, well, actually, yes, I am an attention seeker. <laughs> I would like to seek attention for the things that I care about, and the things that I'm passionate about, and the politics that I would like to mm. change. Yes, of course, I want attention for that. Yes, of course, I want attention for my achievements. Of course, I want attention for my intellectual. Um, you know, my intellectual pursuits. It's funny that I stumbled on that word. Um, <laughs> what I don't want attention for are the things that you tell me I have to have attention for, that if someone yells at me on the street that I've got to accept that attention as being just just words or just a compliment mm. or whatever it might be that I'm overreacting. Compliment, love. Yeah, yeah. like so we, we as women, we're not allowed to dictate the things that we care about getting mm. attention for, you know, which is usually the things that we use our, our brain to kind of seek attention for. But we are supposed to just accept the attention that other people feel entitled to force on us. Mm. Yeah. Also, if you publish something on the internet, isn't it just like a blessing to get an even bigger platform for that lovely comment to well, shine? Well, I mean, that's the thing, you know. I'm just, <laughs> trying, the ultimate to, just trying to help them out. <laughs> um, on that note of street abuse, just to change change tack for a second, I know that I keep talking about my Fitbit a lot, everyone. <laughs> I've had a Fitbit for oh two weeks. God, enough about the I know, Fitbit. I know. Like, how many steps have I done? But I've changed <laughs> stuff about my life, so I've started walking a lot more. I've been on, like, because I realise I don't actually go outside very much. <laughs> and if I'm outside, I'm not really walking very far. But in, I thought what I'd do is kind of just, like, keep a log of the experience of, of having these walks from a Fitbit point of view. But what's happened is I have been screamed at almost every single day. Which is something that hasn't happened to me before because I've never walked more than 200 metres. <laughs> really? I'm notoriously very lazy. Yeah, so even like walking home from work, 5.30, car goes past, screams at me. And I was, I was thinking, I was like, oh my God, we talk about how to deal with this stuff all the time and I've forgotten it all, dropped my phone. Like <laughs> probably my pants fell down and I fell over. Stop disrespecting women. That's, That's right. right. Well, that was it. That's what we're going to yell at people that yeah. yell at us. Yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, I had this thought, and I was like, okay, really okay, well, I'm ready now. Lousy. I remember the things. And then the car came around again, pulled up slowly, Ugh. and was like, suck my dick. And I was like, blah. And I dropped my phone again, tried to take a photo of oh, them. Because right. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was the other idea yeah, we had. Yeah, take a photo of their registration and report them. And send it to, like, yeah. the Star 55. But I didn't manage. Dangerous driving. Right. Mm. Yeah. But it was just, like, another one of those byproducts of just living that I had forgotten yeah. about, yeah. you know? I know that that's definitely the experience of women I know who cycle to work yeah one of whom was like i i don't even really get this when i walk and obviously that's different for you but she was like i don't get this when i walk but there's something about me being on a bicycle Mm. that enrages men and makes them yell at me like doesn't even matter she might just be sitting at the lights or cycling along and it's just like what she's like Two or three times a trip. Quick, there's a woman in public doing something. Yeah. yeah. I can see her legs. <laughs> They're moving. <laughs> it's the craziest revelation, actually, that in, like, the Kate Shepard times from in that, that bloody woman show, women weren't allowed to ride bikes. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it's crazy. Maybe they still think that's the case. I like, know. Maybe they're hardwired to yeah. think, no bicycle for lady. I don't even know if it's a conscious thing for a lot of them. I think that there's just this – I really do think that it, it's this sense of, like, there's a woman doing something – for herself and quick we need to have a man around to observe it to to make a comment on it you know yeah 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 because i i I mean if i'm being generous like people who yell shit out of cars which is something i used to do as a teenager because you're in the back seat of a car there's not really much going on (laughs) so you just yell the description of the thing that you're looking at out a window. It's a blue house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, guy with an ice cream or whatever, you know. And I, th- but like for some reason, it's like the adolescent that adolescent tendency for some reason seems to stick with Kiwi men. Yeah. Mm. Well, not just Kiwi men. Trust well, okay. me. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I actually did think that maybe it was kind of a Kiwi-ish thing because a lot of the time it's not even like I mean, oh, sorry, it's like my dick's really terrible, but a mm. lot of the stuff I hear. Yell at windows is just like noises. Yeah, it's just like, like oh, hollering and yeah. hollering, and it's just like I see a person, I'm gonna <laughs> yell. There's some lovely thing has happened in my brain that whenever anybody says people yelling things out of cars, I actually picture a dog <laughs> with his head out the window with his tongue flapping uh, in the breeze, <laughs> waiting for Something's a seagull to bark I love it. it. <laughs> My synapses have been rewired. Really I good. think that what a lot of men don't seem to understand when you try and talk to them about the experience that you have walking on the street is that, um, I mean, even if, even if they are willing to believe you, they still don't really get how it's, it's hard to explain the way it actually pervades your mm. life to the, yeah. as mm. Alex said, you know, it's, this is just the experience of living that it's not just like these series of random unrelated events where you're like, Oh man yelled at me from a car today. Um, and then you forget about it until the next time it happens. It's the sense that when you're walking down the street, that at any point you could be yelled at at any mm. point that you you're could, being watched, that you're being and watched judged. and you're being and your life is being, um, like narrated yeah. in this really hostile, aggressive way. Yeah. And it's like to the point where, you know, and, and what I hate is that when, for some people, when women talk about this stuff, they're accused of being paranoid, you know, or just being mm. paranoid. Oh, you're just too scared to go out in the house. It's just paranoid women. You know, when I've written about street harassment, men saying things to me like, oh, you know, you're just encouraging women to be afraid. It's like, I don't encourage women to be afraid. Women are afraid because of the world that we live in, mm. you know. Um the, yeah, well, like when you're walking down the street and you see a carload of men 
driving towards you or a car with more than one man in it. Yeah. And you look, maybe nine times out of 10, nothing's going to happen, but you're still kind of slightly tense because you know that mm. one time mm. out of 10, mm-hmm. they will yell something at you. Yeah. And it'll either be something sexual, like suck my dick or sit on my face or, you know, whatever it might be. Or it'll be something negative about how you're gross, how you're fat, how you're ugly. Um, it's just something that then kind of like just doesn't, doesn't ruin your day but just plants like a tiny little toxic seed and it lets mm. you know that you're not allowed to live inside your own head because yeah. what are you doing mm. when you're walking down the street you're having you're having thinking time and yeah and you get pulled out of that yeah. and and made to feel that actually you're not subject in the world you're object in the world mm. and, and, we, and you know we're taught to assume that men are threats because if we don't assume men are threats and they actually do something to us it's our fault Mm. yeah but we're not ever allowed to talk about the fact that we're instructed to view men as threats because the moment that we mention it is the moment that we're demonizing all men Mm -hmm. so it's like it's typically hashtag not all men (laughs) yeah it's typically it's fine and acceptable for men to do the role of policing women's behavior because that's them protecting us that's Mm. them that's them encouraging oh women when will you learn you know you got to learn that the world isn't safe for you it's like we learned that lesson when we're babies yeah Mm. um but the moment that we kind of like take control of that narrative and say, these are the things that I do on the street to protect myself, or this is the way that the world is for women. Oh, how dare you? How dare you make me feel like women that? Are crazy. Yeah. Yeah, women blame, are crazy. Women are crazy and paranoid. It's just guy. a compliment. Yeah. Come Jeez, on, take a compliment. compliment. <laughs> it's nice. I mean, you know, there was uh, five years ago, almost to the date, actually, there was, um, a case that really changed the landscape of people understanding violence against women and rape culture in Australia. And that was um, the abduction and rape and murder of a young woman living in Brunswick, which is near this. I was living in the suburb at the time um, called Jill Ma. And it was kind of like a perfect storm of events because she went missing on a Friday night and then she was found a, you know, a, a full week later. And within that space, they'd also released CCTV footage of the man who was ultimately convicted for her murder, her rape and murder. Um, so it's sort of like it was a perfect kind of week-long armchair detective Mm. quest where people could be really invested and it also definitely helped by the fact that she was young and attractive and white and that she worked in the media um but i've often thought about with the case of jill ma she was you know uh, when she was just in the missing stage her movements that night were tracked she like a lot of young people had gone out drinking after work with workmates um and then she'd walked home from the bar to she was walking Uh, home when it happened um now I live in that area and I would make that walk a lot of women would make that walk and yet afterwards there was well why was she walking home why was she walking home by herself why did she choose that route you know walking past these abandoned scary warehouses like it's a very gentrified area um and I was just thinking about all the different contradictions that um people said, well, why wasn't she out with her husband? I mean, and, and then they turn around and they claim that we're such a, a, an enlightened, civilised society. But she was also with a friend from work that night, a man, and he had offered to walk her home. And she said, oh, no, no, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, which is also something that I would do. Yeah. Mm. And people said, oh, she should have let him walk her home. She should have let him walk her home. But statistically and- speaking, the biggest threat that she faces is from... Men she knows. Men she knows. Mm. And also carry, walk her home and carry her pocketbook. And, I don't, you know, how are we not allowed out anymore? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Just in case. Exactly. And so then it occurred to me afterwards that, you know, after this 
terrible, tragic, uh, not even tra- this terrible thing was elected to be done to her by Adrian Bailey, who was, you know, had a history of violence against women and who should have been in jail at the time, but was released on parole. He, he had been in jail for the rape of a number of sex workers. Um, but because of course, sex workers, bodies and autonomy is not respected in the same way as non-sex workers, his parole was granted and he served a minimal time. Um, but he had stopped her on the street, you know, wanting to chat. And there's video footage of her on the phone and, and she tried to call her brother to sort of like one of those tactics that we have as women to mm-hmm. to diffuse a situation mm-hmm. while kind of letting someone know, please leave me alone. Because she she knew instinctively as well that you can't stand on a street when some guy just starts talking to you and start yelling out at all the people, can someone please help me? This man is making me afraid. This man won't leave me alone. Because, oh, my God, overreacting much? Well, crazy hysterical. lady. Uh-huh. Hysterical lady on the street. Anyway, so in the short space between him stopping her and her walking around the corner to her apartment is when he abducted her. And I remember thinking that if she had gotten home that night safely and posted a status on Facebook um, saying, oh, this guy started talking to me on the street and made me really uncomfortable, just wouldn't leave me alone. Guys, can you just not bother women on the street? Just let us be. Just let us be and let us walk home by ourselves. We don't need you to talk to us. Just leave us alone. A lot of people would have said, oh, I'm really sorry about that, Jill. You know, I hope you're okay. That's, yeah, men should leave women alone. But there would have definitely been yeah. a proportion of people mm. that were like, oh, come on now. He was probably just trying to talk to you. He's probably mm. just trying to be nice. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. He, his mum probably loves him. Can't men talk to women on the well street anymore? Girlfriend. How will the human race survive? So we're not actually, we end up stuck in this situation where we instinctively know that the world is unsafe for us and we have to take all of these precautions. Mm-hmm. But we question our instincts when we're doing it. Because we think, well, I don't want to make this man feel bad. Mm. I don't want to. I don't want to, you know, assume that he's trying to do something terrible to me because that's that's not a very nice thing to do. So we kind of like manage the situation in a way that ends up with us absorb absorbing harm on a scale that can be minimal to obviously extreme. Mm. Jeez, <laughs> there's a lot to think about. <laughs> I wanted to because um, we've been talking about ways to handle street abuse and stuff like that and online abuse and all of that, which I thought we've been giving out some tips, you know, Clementine has some amazing tips for coping with online abuse, which you've talked about in your, a lot of your writing and in your presentation last night. Do we have any other tips we want to offer up to the the good listeners of On The Rag? Anything to make life a little easier? Do you mean in terms of online stuff? Anything. um, One thing I did think was quite interesting in that Charlotte Graham story um, about the abuse that journalists, that women journalists um, face was the fact that all of the different media outlets she went to had and didn't have anything in place, no sort of guidelines Mm. in place for um, what journalists should do when faced with abuse. And as a result of her, um, she did it for her master's thesis, is that right? And the story that she wrote, RNZ started drafting one. Mm -hmm. And then I showed the story to our HR person and now she's drafting one for us. Mm -hmm. So I I like the idea that like just women within organisations, within media Mm. can actually take things like Charlotte's story or even just their own experiences and actually maybe just start with that first step of going to their HR and to their management. And saying, you know, abuse for us is really real. And like you say, mm. the spectrum of harm can be from very minimal to great. But it's like, wouldn't it be great for us as an organisation to have guidelines in place 
before something really bad happens, before a mm. psycho shows up on our doorstep mm. with mm. a knife, mm-hmm. saying that Alex Casey mm. feminist don't. You know, she's the worst thing that happened to the world. She's the worst thing in the world. She's North Korea. (laughs) Because it is, it's just such um, a huge, it's just so worldwide. Mm. Like the Mm. levels of abuse that, where we've all faced it, not to the extent that Clementine has, but it's just like, it's all pervasive. So I think we, I think our organisations owe it to us to, Definitely. Say we'll do our best they, to keep yeah, you safe. Yeah, they definitely yeah. wouldn't let somebody walk into the building and say that. No, so yeah, no, if a no. client, you know, wandered in four times a day and called you a, a bitch or yeah. told you you were fat and ugly, obviously that would not be acceptable. HR would have a word to say. HR yeah. would have something to say or someone else within your organisation. So I like the idea of actually like organisations themselves. Yeah. yeah. And people going to them and saying, hey, let's do this. Let's put something in place that protects us. I yeah. quite like passing it on. Uh, I'm most of the time I like to take stuff on myself, but uh, passing it to somebody so that you're one step removed can be good. I, I write a column um, and my partner writes a a, a what do you call it? A side by side column? I don't know. Anyway, we both write a column, and uh, and and he's a man, and I get the hate mail. It always comes to me. It doesn't go to him, and quite often the hate mail is actually not about what I wrote, but it's about what he wrote. <sighs> so I just hit forward and send it to him. And, um, this one's for you. Yes, you love. And but I have. It has occurred to me too that when somebody because they also. When they write to him, they attack his ideas. But if they write to me, they attack, you know, my abilities as a human and stuff. So um, just passing those on sometimes. Mm. So, hey, could you... Because yeah. I also think it's quite terrifying if Brian from <laughs> Waimauku, um sends me a fuck you, you bitch and gets an email back from my husband, it might upset <laughs> Brian. And that's, I don't think that's oh, me. Sorry, kind mate. Of, sorry, sorry, yeah. mate. Oh, sorry, mate. Didn't mean anything, but... Still uh, got a turn. I'm yeah, really sorry. No, she's... <laughs> I bet she's the top root. Um, <laughs> so, I bet you are a top root, um, though. fucking awesome, mate. Um, yeah, so I mean, just because it's easier to... Like, if, yeah, it's easier to sometimes deal with it if you're one step removed emotionally from it. So, mm. you know... You can get somebody else to go into battle for you and you go into battle for them, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, sharing mm. the load. Yeah. Mm. I remember Emily writes used to have friends and, and, and people that would be her moderators would look at everything. Right. You know, before so she, didn't she even could have look to at read her own it. page, which is sad, it's but also tragic. another thing of like amazing mm. if you have those people that are willing to just like weed out the Yeah, the, the hell, really stupid you know? <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I feel like it's, uh, it's obviously a... A reality mm. for women who put themselves even slightly above the parapet now it's just it's just accepted as being oh that's just what you get you yeah. know just, and yeah. and from women who who get it they kind of like just absorb it and accept it that this is just what I have to deal with now but um there's still people in the world who think well you know everyone gets criticism everyone's everyone's criticized people criticize john howard's eyebrows and you're like okay well it's pretty different to them making fun of some bushy eyebrows than it is saying you should be raped with a dildo made of rusty nails which is one of the screen caps that i had last night um damn i remember you know not that i'm competing but (laughs) but i think you're right i think it's important for organizations to have a response to it because too often what happens is women are just left to deal with it mm. by themselves. Mm. Yeah. And so media outlets want to get the 
the audiences that those women bring to them, but they're not willing to stand by them when it comes to actually protecting them. And that protection might be financial. It might be actually increasing their salary and and acknowledging that the work they're doing is dangerous. Mm. It's dangerous to their mental health and it's potentially dangerous to their actual physical safety. Um, And also acknowledging that they may need, you know, they may need to pay for them to have um, regular therapy sessions, not, not to, uh, like just really just to offload, you know. Yeah, supervision where you just go and talk about yeah. what happens rather than my mother didn't love me. And, yeah. and as well when, <laughs> yeah, you're, right. when you're kind of, when you're a woman who's working in a space where you're um, speaking or writing a lot about violence against women, it's not just about the abuse that you receive in connection for writing about those things. It's about the vicarious trauma that you experience by mm-hmm. having a lot of other women writing to you and saying, thank you for bringing attention to this. Let me tell you this horrible story that's about this thing that happened to me. Mm. And you want to honour those women's stories. You want to honour the fact that they've trusted you with that information. But at the end of the day, you're also left with a lot of imagery and Mm. a lot of stories about people who have been violated by the men in their lives. Mm. Um, So I think that there's like a multi-pronged kind of approach. But, you know, at its heart, it's also this assumption that women just do this work because, um, you know, it's like, it's kind of like how women are minimized in the care industry, you know, Mm. or in, in the teaching industry that this is just work that we kind of like passionate about. And the passion is the payment, you know, just deal with it. What you do. Yeah. Yeah. Here's $12 an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Now in the interest of time, Mm. we have a whole bunch of segments that we like to regularly do on, on the rag. And I wondered if Clementine would like to, join us as we go through our book clubs watch clubs of the month yes we like to share you know just different stuff that's keeping us keeping us afloat should we start with books or or like pieces you know anything on the internet that you you'd like to share share with the group i haven't read a book this month because i'm trying to finish my own got your own troubles (laughs) michelle it's going really well thanks (laughs) yes great we're about two weeks away from writing the acknowledgements and thank oh, yous. Yeah, that's fantastic. So it's L E O N I E. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay, cool. H-A-Y. Yep. Yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, can I just do my hot tip? Because oh, I've, I've got the best hot tip. Yeah. We've got a new roof. We just had it. It's just finished being made new yesterday. Re-roof. Being made. Being re-roofed. And so I've had uh, two roofers, Dave. And I can't remember the other guy's name, but he was lovely on the roof for two weeks whenever it wasn't raining. Here's the thing that I found out. If you put a transistor radio by your chimney on the roof, by a metal chimney. Amplified. Fuck yeah. Surround sound throughout the house. Came down the chimney. Yeah, yeah. Comes down the chimney. You open the door. You don't have to open the door, but it helped. Of the log burner and the whole house vibrated with more fm for two weeks wow i mean i'm sorry to hear that about yeah, i'm more sorry FM, about more fm but it's, a, <laughs> it's terrific so we thought we might Science. have yeah. a party because we we're also getting the deck rebuilt because it did a cave creek on us um have a party when the deck's open and stick a tranny up on the <laughs> chimney and just that it's, it's, surround it's so awesome so does that mean to change the music someone's going to climb yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 cool. yeah there that sounds, sounds like the worst DJ gig ever. I know it's going to be it's going to be dreadful. <laughs> but there's something Hired kind of DJ cornhole to DJ your party. About it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not sexist. <laughs> my sister loves me. <laughs> so yeah, 
no, so that's it. I just think it's, and it's such a lovely tinny transistor sound. It would just took me back to being a kid. That's the, amazing. Yeah, Who needs right. a Yui Boom? Yeah, so that's all. Yeah, exactly. I've got one of those. That's in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that and its stupid battery. <laughs> so that's all I've got. Yeah, that's the trash. I don't know if I've got a tip this month. Oh, I mean, it's not really a tip. I mean, it's kind of a tip, but I um, had to um, host this event last night um, at the Auckland Museum, which I was very nervous about. I had to host an event kind of on the topic of things like trade and foreign policy, which is a, is a new area for me, and I was really looking forward to doing it, but I was also kind of terrified. And um, I had done a job with um, Miss Crabbe, um, she's a Auckland fashion designer, incredible designer. And um, so she said, well, let me give you an outfit in lieu of payment mm. for this event that you've got coming up. Yeah, yeah, no So she's known for just like these incredible silk dresses. But I couldn't... Takes a note to check her Instagram. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I couldn't um, visualise myself in any of them that would sort of make me feel like the boss of this event, which is how I needed to feel. So she was like, how about a suit? <gasps> Yeah, and like the difference between wearing a suit and a dress in terms of, and I don't know why this should be, but I just, it was a whole different feeling. I was just like, yeah. amazing. I've got a double-breasted navy pinstripe jacket on. <gasps> I've got these amazing pants. Yeah. So I just was like, you know what? Top tip: if you want to feel powerful, fucking put yeah. on a suit. Yeah, and it was a women's suit. That's the other thing I really liked about it. It wasn't mm. sort of like man style adapted for. A woman, yeah. it was drapey and beautiful and big pant legs and it was like made for me in my shape and it just was like, yes, yes. Mm. What yeah, colour? What colour? I want to picture it. It was navy, navy pinstripe. I'll show you a photo after this. Hold it up to the <laughs> microphone so they yeah, can see it can you, can you see this? <laughs> but yeah, I, that's oh, my top that's tip. That's an amazing tip. Yeah. yeah. God, the best I've ever felt on Halloween is dressed as Charlie Chaplin. Can I tell you that? Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, because, you know, trousers are comfortable and pocket so space is important. Yeah, yeah. Pockets. Pockets. That's one of it. I love <laughs> a pocket. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, there's this, uh, I mean, I'm sure that there's more and more popping up places now, but there is a, a bespoke tailor in Brooklyn, I think, that creates, um, it originally started out as a, just a suit for men, mm-hmm. um, suit shop for men's. Suit shop for men. <laughs> um, but then they started collaborating. Um, a, a woman who lived in the area who's a lesbian and who gravitates more towards what people would call gender neutral clothing, but which always means just traditionally masculine clothing. Mm. Yeah. Um, she went and spoke to the proprietor there and said, you know, can you make me a suit? Can you make a suit for my body? And then some of her friends started going and then they created this business where they now do bespoke suits for all different kinds of bodies. Yes. And that's what I love. I love going and yeah. I love the idea of going and getting a proper suit made for me and for my shape where I don't have to kind of wrestle with the fact that I've got hips. Yeah. I've got mm. exactly bumps and lumps that don't fit into traditionally yeah. designed clothes for straight up mm. and down bodies. Yeah. Um, my tip is uh, there's a, a company that recently got promotion in Australia. It's called Tr- the Trady Ladies, I think. Um, and it's basically just a, a Brisbane-based company, which is a tradie company, but it's all women. Mm-hmm. And or maybe they call themselves the Pink Tradies. I'm not sure. I don't, <laughs> yeah, great. Either way. Um, <laughs> so my tip is to actively ask for when you're when you're calling up for like a, a plumber or for an electrician or whatever it might be, actively try and seek out businesses that 
are either like that mm. or when you call and you ask for a, a tradie, um, say, do you have a woman on your books? Can you send a woman to me? And That's it's great. And it's oh. more just to kind of like assert the fact that this is a space for women to be in as well. Um, my friend's a Sparky and she's an educator as well. Um, and she was telling me, you know, she's told me lots of stories about sexism in her industry, but there was this one case that she worked with where um, this Sparky was being sent out to, uh, you know, to someone's business or whatever, and, and it was a woman, and the person called to speak to the, the Sparky beforehand, heard that it was a woman, then called back the organisation and was like, oh, no, nah, uh, can you send, have you got a bloke that you can send out? Um, and they were like, well, she's she's very capable. And they're like, no, nah, I, don't, I don't reckon it's, you know, it's a pretty it's a pretty tough job and she sounds pretty mousy. <laughs> the irony of course was that physically speaking she was a much more imposing presence than the bloke that they ended up sending out (laughs) to the business but that wouldn't have mattered to those people all they would have seen was Mm, uh, you know Mm. so for anyone who responds to that stuff with like oh well it should be about merit should be about merit should be about the best person for the job this is already happening where men are being requested or men are being gravitated towards Mm, so anything we can do that's just like you know what i'm just going to try and subvert it a little bit and i want to give my money to women um, I'd rather give my money to women mm. and and just sort of like start making those requests so that companies as well think, oh, there is like a demand Consciousness for women Consciousness raising tradies. for them too if they don't mm. have women on the staff to go, yeah. oh. can, can ladies plumb? Yeah. yeah. And also and you might take your business somewhere else and yeah. they, they suffer for that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, that's a great tip. That's fantastic. Mm. I have Do one. Go. I have another app. I love apps. Yeah, an apps. There's an app for that. <laughs> um, this is an app for uh, folk who find themselves periodically bleeding out of their body. Um, it's called Clue. I've heard about this app. Um, and I downloaded it and you put in a whole bunch of your data. You put in like all the stuff about you and like your kind of vibes, how you feel during your cycle and stuff. And then you put in like when you're bleeding and it basically collects all this data about you and, and, and shows you your, your body back to you Great. month to month. And it's very useful if, you know, if that's someone who that happens to. And I just thought it was amazing. So the past like a week ago, I was having these insane like baby dreams, like just crazy. And I was like really obsessed with Were babies. Were you eating them? Or? <laughs> I was birthing like crazy. Um, and I was like, maybe I'll check Clue and see what's going on. Smack bang at the height of the fertile window. I was wow. like, shit. Wow. It's just like, this is amazing technology, amazing Bodies. science. And also just like a good reminder that sometimes when you feel like if you're losing it, if you yeah. are a person who bleeds out of their body and also feels like yep. they might be losing it when yep. you're bleeding out of your body, um, it's a good reminder that like, oh, this isn't all me. Like I can look and the app will tell me, you know, yeah. sometimes yeah. maybe there is shit happening to like, step away you are from living my in like a meat sack full of chemicals <laughs> and bullshit that's completely out of Gross. your control. Yep. And I was like... I love Clue. So, yeah, just I highly recommend that's it cool. if you can do yeah, some data cool. entry on I yourself. I almost want to start menstruating again. Just so I have, have a turn. <laughs> we'll go that far. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, quickly, should we whiz through uh, books and, and watch club and then we'll end with some Yas Queens to finish it. So, Michelle hasn't read a book in her life. Yeah, <laughs> no, I have never read a book What's either. A book? <laughs> no, the, actually, the thing I was going to recommend reading was Charlotte Graham's article about yeah. women journalists because I thought it was really great. It's quite a long read, um, which I really enjoyed because it got it dug deep. Too long, loved reading. Is that one of those? It's <laughs> <laughs> now. Um, and then the other thing I read this month, which made me laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh, was Alex's piece on the spin-off um, about her ET collection. Oh my god! I just don't know why. I, haven't read I mean, it. I do know why because Alex is hilarious. But um, oh, I don't know. I, coming from a family of collectors myself <laughs> and having 
um, had my nana's huge owl collection bequeathed <laughs> to me. I understand like the peculiarity of collector people oh, and then how amazing. insane it makes you because you don't even know why you have these things or if you want them. And I just, I know, I just laughed so hard oh, throughout that whole much. thing. So yeah, I If anyone that. wants to buy several hundred ETs, get in touch. <laughs> Alex at the spinoff, Dakota.nz, please, gosh. Do you feel like sometimes like collectors just become collectors because they get one or two and then everyone's like, oh, they collect your this thing. is your thing now. Yeah. And, then, you're, and then they're like, no. oh, okay, I guess I collect ETs. <laughs> I seriously heard a radio interview two days ago about a woman who collects sand. That's, what I know from all around the world, and there's a, mm. like there's a network of them. They swap sand. You get vials of sand from places, and you go online and you go. Oh. I've got a bit from. See, I kind of understand the appeal. Yeah, <laughs> weirdly, she's got six thousand of them. Okay, that's wow. too much. That's, that's too many. Yeah, that's too much sand. Yeah. Um, the thing I was going to recommend reading was uh, a book called The Power by Naomi Alderman. Mm. Um, it just won the Bailey Women's Prize in the UK, and it's a it's sort of like a speculative fiction about a, a what what would happen if there was a genetic um like a mutation a genetic mutation that suddenly allowed for the for women to transmit electricity through their hands so if women had the power to be able to control who is hurt and who is oh, not hurt yes, in the I've world heard about this book yes yeah and it's really excellent and fascinating and I mean kind of kooky in some ways as well but it it also raises the question of like the fact that women are humans as well and so therefore there are like people who will abuse that power and Mm. how do you like flip a patriarchy to a matriarchy and it starts sort of 5,000 years in the future and it flashes back to the time what they call the time before the cataclysm so it's it's basically about how like the world becomes a matriarchy but it's not all like oh wouldn't the world be heaps better if it was a matriarchy but there is vicariously a lot of like awesome kind of fist pumping at this idea that you could suddenly protect yourself by is there being able a, to shoot, wow. shoot lightning yeah. bolts out is of your hands. Is there a lot fucking less wolf whistling on the street <laughs> after the cataclysm? Um, yeah, just to, to sort of put it mildly. Um, but the other thing that I wanted to recommend based on uh, what was Christ, Christina Graham? Is that the? Charlotte, Charlotte Graham. Charlotte Graham. Yeah. So there's a PhD candidate in Australia called Joanna Richards and she uh, is doing her PhD on um, – women and women's voices and she's written this paper called let her finish and she looked at uh, the rate of interruption in parliament and so that's really really fascinating read so it's what she found was that women are actually more likely to women are just as likely to interrupt as men I think I'm remembering this correctly women are just as likely to interrupt as men but women are way more likely to be the ones who are being interrupted and often actually when women do the interrupting it's to say in, it's to interrupt a man to, to ask him to let a woman finish right speaking. Right. so it's it's really good to have like actual statistics and data around the stuff yeah. that when you say is happening i mean this is kind With of like evidence oh, yeah when is. people say Where, where's the evidence <laughs> yeah and, and oftentimes we feel a bit flummoxed because we don't have those statistics to hand so mm. actually that's another good tip what i would say is that it's really important for people to just amass like a handful of really excellent and sound statistics that when someone's like well, where's the evidence say well it's funny that you should say that because blah 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 yeah it's a great yeah. idea that's something mm. i've loved actually during in the in the lead up to our own election and the leaders debates is there's always someone on twitter who is doing a tally of the interruptions of jacinda versus bill and yeah it, and it always um yeah, yeah and it how much volumes. speaking time in total yeah yeah, yeah. 
I was very pleased um our um election debate that we did last week the someone uh, on twitter had um done um put up photos of various tallies that they're taking of our debate mm-hmm. and we got questions directed to the candidates almost completely equal and wow. there was something yeah. like 60 something questions each and so they were all within mm. one or two of each other Amazing. at a nearly perfect 50 50 split of men <gasps> and women speaking mm. that's brilliant See, it can um, be done it can be done so so just quickly one of the things that she found was that um she looked at 311 inter- incidences of interruption in parliament over a specific period and of of those 311 interruptions 213 were directed towards women oh no sorry it was 311 interruptions that specifically questioned a speaker's authority and credibility and over two-thirds of those were directed towards women female witnesses were called emotional unreasonable or words to similar effect 163 times and 120 of those comments were made by men and women were also more likely to be punished for their interruptions than their male cheers That's really by the chair during public too. hearings. So, yeah, to be able to kind of point out and say this is the actual substantial impact of it. And you, you might not think that it's happening. You might not even notice that it's happening. Mm. But mm. this is what's happening. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's there's that other, and I don't know where the study comes from, and I should know because that gives it more power, but when women talk 30% of the time in an equal gendered group, men think that they're talking more yeah. than 50% yeah. of the time. And when people have been shown crowd shots in Hollywood movies, when those when the crowd shots are made up of less women than men, um, at around 30% as well, people perceive there to be more women present. Oh, that's wild. Because we're weird. Fucking aliens. <laughs> All right. Watch Club? Anything to watch? Clementine and I were talking about Bachelor in Paradise before, but if anyone else has got anything No, more no, go with that. I was just, I'm, I'm just getting into uh, Marvel's The Defenders just because I'll take my Jessica Jones wherever I get her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she's pretty cool. Yeah. My Watch Club, is, I haven't actually watched yet. I'm just like <laughs> good. so excited for it that I decided to make my Watch Club, but like um, Broad City season four yeah. starts this week. Yeah. That's me this whole weekend. It started last night, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So this oh weekend gosh. I'm locking myself in my house and I'm just going to bro down with Abby and Alana <laughs> yeah. for an entire day. In a post-Trump world. In a yeah. post-Trump world, yeah. So, yeah, I'm really excited. That's my watch club, even though I haven't watched it. But I, I love them so much. you know it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be amazing. It's sure. going to be amazing. My watch club is I just started watching The Good Fight, um, which is like a law procedural drama oh. um but like with an abundance of women characters on it christine mm-hmm. baranski awesome um and it's set in a predominantly black law firm so lots of people of color oh, yeah, that sounds cool wow i've been watching top of the lake season two and i absolutely adore it oh good yeah it's um again like very obsessed with like the experience of being a woman it's very much about motherhood and family and stuff also set against the backdrop of like obviously a horrible crime that happens in sydney um kind of based mm. within the sex industry and like human trafficking so there's just like there's a lot to unpack in it but it's also like weirdly quite funny which sounds ridiculous but like if you look at season one of top of the lake which is like the most grim mm. kind was, of slow burning dread of I your life it, i've got it made me too sad and i mm. i kind of i don't think i watched the last couple of episodes which is appalling hey. but it just made me i was maybe not in a great place but it made me it was grim as it was fuck. a very grim very grim show yeah if you like that kind of thing though um happy valley is oh, is I amazing for you. i love yeah. it yeah. it's not brand new but for anyone who hasn't seen it yeah it's amazing i think that there's two seasons so far maybe no there's not a third season yet but it's about a like a, a female police super like 
sergeant or she's yes. the boss anyway yep. <laughs> um solving di two specific crimes in england mm. and it's written by that film. fabulous woman uh, wainwright sally, sally wainwright, wainwright yeah. who uh, also has written last tango and fairfax which i adore for a sort of soapy interpersonal relationship drama anyway cool and yes queens to end round a circle who do we want to nominate this month we're a week away from election and I'm going with Jacinda Ardern as my Yaz Queen for being authentic and for taking a lot of shit for wagging her finger and uh, and we're going to say taking shit, not putting up with it, calling it out when she sees it and I just adore her. I'm so excited at the prospect that she might be our Prime Minister. Yes, Queen. Uh, similarly, I'm going to go with a politician. Yeah. Um, it probably showing my hand here, but um, my Yes, Queen is Madame Davidson, who is a Greens candidate, um, who I just thought was far and away the most impressive candidate in our spin-off election debate last week. And I, I have always thought this of Madame as well. Um, she's just uh, an incredibly principled, unshowy smart compassionate woman and I, I i she to me is there is no other politician like her and i just loved that we had this very shouty election debate that was just full of <laughs> showboaters and yet somehow marama without raising her voice all of her thoughts and policies just cut right through everyone else's and were just delivered in this incredibly mm. calm and compassionate way and i just think she's extraordinary and um yeah she's my ass queen for for the whole election. Yeah. Yeah. She's so grassroots. She's exactly how I think we should be represented. She's fantastic. Yeah. I love her. Yes, Queen. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Martha Plimpton, um, who is an her. actor, uh, because she recently uh, did an in conversation with um, an abortion provider, an abortion healthcare provider in, in America as part of the Shout Your Abortion organization and she talked openly about and and like proudly and defiantly about the abortions that she's had or the the abortion or abortions that she's had and how she wasn't ashamed of it and how it's not something that you should be ashamed of and of course she's been receiving like a huge amount of abuse for it and is remaining defiant and strong and oh, good on her and amazing in the face of that but you know yeah a lot of like fox news and and conservative outlets are uh, really like mobilizing hatred towards her but because she proudly stood up there and said I do not regret my choices I don't regret putting myself first and accessing fundamental and basic medical health care that is my right mm. and that is also just a medical procedure like yep. any other mm. yep wow Good on it. I love Martha Plumpton and now I love her even more yep. <laughs> yes queen well mine's like a bit predictable she's sitting right next to me <laughs> Madeline Chapman. <laughs> um, we've yes queened you before when you mm, haven't been in the house, so I feel yeah. like it's only fitting that yeah. we do it now. Yes. Oh, so Thank nice. you so much for all the work that you do, all the shit you put up with for the greater <laughs> cause, for coming onto our Shambles podcast, even though you're like the queen of everything. It's just, it's really, it's been really amazing having you here. And yeah. everyone, if you don't buy her book, Fight Like a Girl, 
read your columns, like your Facebook page. Um, follow you on Twitter. Follow you on Twitter. <laughs> like, comment, subscribe. It's Clementine Ford oh, for the young. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you all so much for having me. It's been super fun to be here and, uh, you know, I love talking feminism. Yeah. So <laughs> you're welcome back anytime. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Maybe next month. Um, <laughs> Come over to my place. There's this great surround sound <laughs> yeah, system cool. going I on. I heard that the You'd DJ's going to be there. Freak you up on the roof. <laughs> yeah. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening right to the end. Thank you, 27 Names, for making this all happen. Check them out at 27names.co.nz. Like us on Facebook. Uh, what are we? OTR Pod on Facebook. And we'll be back next month, and we'll be hopefully really excited. Yay! Yay! All right. Don't forget to vote. Vote. Uh, vote. Yeah, don't forget to vote, everyone. Vote hard. Kakite. Bye. Kia ora e te iwi, te he Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.